Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And we're back in the fishbowl in yeah. NDC Oslo. I, I don't know how many, how many, it's more than 10 years, 11 or 12 years of doing NDCs. Yeah, you were at the first one. I was at the very first one. I yeah. couldn't make the first yeah. one, but then I came on. I've been, we've been at every one Pretty since. Pretty much, yeah. And plus London and yeah. Australia. And so here we are. It's a very, this, the arena is awesome. We always have a good time. I actually did talk. I did my moon base talk. Yeah, it was right above the fishbowl. Oh, so you were I could listening. hear it. Yeah, I could hear you. You, you could t- recognize my voice? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, that's how we met. Do you remember? <laughs> right. I overheard From across you, the room. <laughs> I overheard you at a speaker's dinner talking about uh, Paul Moeller right. and his flying cars. Flying cars. Yeah. So right. uh, we're going to do uh, a f- quite a few uh, episodes from here. Yeah. And the last couple have been from here, but we're doing them out of order. This is actually the first one we're recording. Right. So, uh, uh, Masha Nakish is here, but we're going to talk to her in a minute. But first, we got a little business. What do you got? Better know a framework. Awesome. All right, dude. I found this video on YouTube. Okay. And it's a, a Japanese Hado Masters Cup. And this is an AR sport. And the. Video is long, but if you go in about two hours, you actually start seeing the action. And imagine like a bunch of people wearing hollow lenses. Okay. And you get to see what they're doing, and they're like hailing fireballs at each other. Oh. And <laughs> so they're actually having an interactive sport. It's almost like kind of a digital dodgeball. Yeah. Right. Digital dodgeball. Yeah. That's kind of what it is. And uh, it looks really cool. Yeah, it's really interesting. You, so you leave may, it to the Japanese, right? They're the ones. Oh, of course. Always. You know, they're always innovating this kind of stuff, but they're pushing the envelope. I mean, I can see maybe in the future where we actually have Olympic sports that involve augmented reality. Augmented reality. Yeah, no, absolutely possible. Because I mean, they're, they're, really, they're still moving around. Like, they're moving around. They just, have to have the skills. Yeah. They're just not moving real things. Yeah. It's But it's still, you know, that, but this couple, that one guy's jumping down, you know, stuff's flying over his head. Like, yeah. He's, He's in motion. It's a lot more movement than your typical esports game where they're just clicking the mouse. Exactly. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. It's pretty interesting. Uh, thanks to Brian McKay for finding that one. All right. One of our Appy Next guys. And uh, that's what I got today. So uh, who's talking to us, Richard? Grab your comment off the show 1585, which we did at NDC Sydney mm-hmm. last year with uh, Adam Stevenson talking about making bots. Oh, right. right? Some of those bot frameworks and, uh, and the sort of fun. Uh, and interesting stuff that's going on there. And uh, Martin Liversidge, who I believe is from Denmark, who's commented on shows before. Uh, Had a drink with him last night. Did you really? Is he here? Yeah. yeah. I didn't even realize that. That's hilarious. Uh, I don't know if you remember the show. It was a while ago. But we were talking about bots you could build. And one of them was the Trumped Cash Bot. Yeah. The idea that whenever, whenever Donald Trump says something on Twitter about a company, that company you know sort of tends to go down. Right, right. Well... <laughs> Martin said, uh, you mentioned this pouch, but that actually reminds me of a bot called Botas that NPR's Planet Money, the podcast, right. actually made. That's right. I remember this. Yeah. So this is a bot that would watch Donald Trump's tweets yeah. and then do sentiment analysis on it and then decide whether to buy or sell stock against it. Oh, and my I actually, God. They ran this thing. I went through the Twitter account for Botus. It's B-O-T-U-S. Like POTUS is like president POTUS, of yes. the United States. So, so this, this is the bot, bot of, of the, the US. United States. <laughs> yeah. And uh, never made any money, but it's very interesting to see how it would it was trying to understand his tweets, which, right. let's face it, we all try and understand his we, tweets. We do 
trying to understand. And, uh, yeah. and so doing analysis on that. It made a couple of trades, never really made much money. And they've, they've shut it down now. Yeah. But it's just fascinating It was to an see. interesting experiment. Yeah, these kinds of AI things are actually real. Hmm. And uh, yeah, and of course, yeah, nothing but praise for Planet Money. Great podcast. Great podcast. And, uh, yep. Certainly dug into some interesting stuff. Uh, so Martin, uh, I know I must have seen you around here this uh, at the conference. So I'll, I'll thank you in person. And hmm. a copy of Music to Code by is on its way. And if you and if you'd like a copy of Music to Code by, write a comment on the website at donandrocks.com or on Facebook. We publish every show there. And if we uh, read that comment on the show, we'll send you a copy of Music to Code by. And definitely follow us on Twitter. I'm at Carl Franklin. He's at Rich Campbell. Send us a tweet. There's a bot somewhere doing sentiment analysis on it. That <laughs> 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 net rock bot. <laughs> Tells us whether or not we should continue doing the show. There you go. Right? Uh, mm-hmm. I thought it was just there to recognize music to music code by soundtracks. Right? Yeah, that's it. That's, that's it. Okay, well, uh, now let's introduce our guest uh, speaker here at NDC Oslo, Masha Nakish. Uh, she works as a data scientist and is an educated mathematician at the University of Zagreb with uh, specialization in statistics and machine learning. From her academic background, she has a very solid theoretical foundation and broad experience in areas like statistics, mathematical analysis, algorithms, programming, and numerical calculations. Masha has a great passion for digging deeply into data connections and utilizing mathematical understandings of advanced analysis and machine learning algorithms to solve real business challenges. She has worked with most well-known tools in advanced analysis and big data, and she thrives best on solving problems in mathematical modeling, statistical analysis, and visualization of large amounts of data from many different sources. Welcome. Uh, thank you very much, Carl. It's uh, thank you so much for inviting me here. Absolutely. And how did did you speak yesterday? Uh, yes, I had a talk yesterday uh, here at the conference. It was actually my first talk ever at the conference. Oh, really? Congratulations! Oh, wow. thank you. Yeah. So I think it, it went quite well for the first time, definitely. So I'm I'm quite actually quite satisfied. Cool. <laughs> so were you talking about automated text summarization? Yes, that was the topic of my. Uh, this yeah, sounds completely amazing to me. The, yeah. So you're talking about taking a multi-page document and like making the TLDR kind of like yes. a one yes that's possible that's possible yes wow, wow. Yeah. That so is incredible. today there are many different methods and many different tools you can use to actually automate automate this okay. and so basically Text summarization itself is a process of shortening a text document into, uh, in order to create a summary that contains all the main topics of the original document. Hmm. Automatic text summarization is the same thing, it's just you're doing it with software, right. basically. So basically, uh, if we auto- did an auto-transcript of the show right. and did that, you wouldn't have to write the summary. Right. Of- I mean, I write an abstract for every episode of .NET Rocks yeah. where I'm trying to kind of hit the key points. You're fired. And so, you yeah. know, I got time for me to go. AI, yeah. AI'd myself out of a job. Oh, exactly. <laughs> should I say, you're fired. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. But, yeah, I, mean, I think the applications are obvious, right? I mean, we talk about executive mm. summaries, like all of those sorts of things. Yes. But to automate that, how do, how do you get software to pull the important points? Like, how do you even assess that? Well, um, there are two main types of uh, automatic summarizations. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, two main types of summarizations in general. And those are extractive and abstractive summaries. So the main difference between 
the difference between them is basically that in extractive summaries, you just take out the key sentences of the top of right. the document. So that's extractive? That's extractive. So you, so you extract you key sentences. Yeah. So you, so you have still have to figure out what a key sentence is. Of course. <laughs> right. But it is a simpler way. So you have a machine going through the text, figuring out, okay, what are the most important sentences? Most likely that has something to do with word frequencies, you know, like the, okay. either the, the you or you're t in, in one way or another trying to find the most important words in the text. And right. then yeah. sentences that are um, having most of these most important words should be the most important sentences okay. and so on. Hmm. So, and then you basically just take find first and top sentences based on some scores that you get. Mm -hmm. And then you extract them out. And then you just get them in the summary, but in the same order they're appearing in the article. Right. Because maybe sentence number three, it will have the highest score, but you want it, you want it to be readable, right? You right. want oh. it to, to have okay. some so sort you, of cohesion. You, you go through X many thousands of sentences in a whole document. Yeah. You score, you know, you take the top ten, but then. they'll all be all over the map with the document. Yeah, of course. But then order them in the order they're in, put in, presuming that the person is written coherently, so yeah, those course. sentences will make sense. So that's, that's e really extractive. That's extractive. So I imagine abstractive would be true summarization. Exactly, yeah. yes. So abstractive way is the way we humans are summarizing. When I tell you summarize me a book or summarize this uh, talk here, right. now you are not going to go through the, uh, through the script and actually take out the most important sentences mm. from me. It was You're the best of times, it was the worst of times. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay. That's yeah, I'm beginning, I'm beginning to think of uh, if we could run this against very famous books, you know, and try to get some of these. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are there, do those exist? Uh, well, I think you can, theoretically. I mean, you can just run it on whatever you want, so sure. you can get some kind of like wow. very, very, extra, either extracts or abstracts of a book. Of course, Abstracts are the ones we want, right? This is yeah. the what is what that we want to like achieve. That sounds like total voodoo, right? And <laughs> and unfortunately, it's still it's still kind of is. It's uh, we have today some methods that we can use, and uh, but uh, they are they're they're working in a specific cases. For example, in, and they also most of the time depend on having a lot of training data. Now, right. when we're when we're talking about these extractive methods, now first paper ever written in automatic scientific paper uh, automatic um, uh, text summarization mm -hmm. was actually uh, made by Bexendale in 1959 mm. so that was 60 years ago people that's wow. well, just thinking, was he thinking in terms of computers no you know he was just he was creating something that was super super simple so right. what he okay. did was he was uh, he was analyzing 200 paragraphs from scientific articles okay. and he was trying to find this things that he calls topic sentences. Topic sentences are those sentences that are kind of pointing out to the main topic of, right. The, right. of the paragraph. And then he realized once he was uh, actually, uh, once he started to analyze it, that most of these topic sentences, are, in most cases, are either first sentence in the paragraph or the last sentence in the paragraph. Right, it makes total sense in yeah. proper and paragraph design, so too. For him, and then so his whole method called positional method. The whole method is just you know read the paragraph, take first and the last sentence, and and you know since this is done by a software, this is done by machine. This is right. automatic text summary. Yeah, yeah. Right? Wow. I'm not saying it's a good summary, <laughs> exactly. but it is a summary. It is a summary. So this is this is a very naive approach, yeah, very basic. Sure. However, it was the first paper ever for this. Interesting. And, wow. Yeah. So so this is uh um, this is not something new. You know, we're talking mm -hmm. about this today. But as with a lot of things in machine learning, in, in data science, in all this natural language it processing, it goes way back. Points back to yes, some very yes, in interesting so, ideas. Wow. But I also appreciate the idea that 
you read something very differently when you start thinking about things like summarization, like yeah. organizing information. You're not reading the words, you know, for the overall intent, but more for what are the key pieces, like what what, what does the math look like around this? So yeah. I just think most people have not read like that. Oh, okay. To have that, I appreciate that someone 60 years ago had that thought exactly. and started just started applying math to document. I imagine yeah. that the the smaller the summary, the more difficult it is to achieve, right? Maybe because it, when you when a writer shortens sentences and boils essence down, I mean that's a real cognitive process, right? Yes. So I can imagine you're probably not going to get a summary of Moby Dick like. Ahab goes for whale, yeah. it doesn't end well. Yeah, right? exactly, yes. I mean, that would be a really hard thing to summarize. Yeah, to, exactly. Yeah. exactly. So, so I guess, are these summaries longer depending on the length of the text, uh, well, generally? Of course, yes. Well, I mean, of course, in general, people usually say for any kind of summaries, uh, manual or automatic, the best kind of practice is to go with 20 to 25% of the summary, of the original document when mm. you're actually creating a summary. Now, of course, it depends from to, uh, different domain to domain. Sure. This is, this is also very domain-driven uh, kind of industry as well, mm -hmm. I mean, or technology, I would say, yeah. uh, because it very much depends and th this is one of the one of the also one of the ways you can look into different uh, text summarizers because they could be uh, based on the the context mm -hmm. we can look right. at them so they could be completely generic so you, you just tell me okay create a summarizer that's mm. gonna be able to summarize anything but they could also be domain-based meaning okay if my project now is to create a summary for the articles in biomedicine right then yeah. you know domain experts could could actually point out to the important parts of the text or important words or what should i be focusing more or not mm. so when i think case, about writing abstracts or dynamic rocks i think about proper nouns yeah product yeah. names yeah. need to be in the abstract to, exactly it's what so. people are looking for it's what people mm. search on okay. so i imagine if the biomedicine thing it's like there are technical terms that are inevitably going to be important in, yeah of course okay. and i also get you know, if a good writer will try to point out the the most important thing here, or the gist of it is, or you know, sometimes a writer will actually say, "So in summary, blah blah mm -hmm. blah." Right? I mean, I can imagine those would be easier to yeah. to figure out. To figure, of course, of course. Yeah. Um, I mean, whenever you're working with, uh, especially these abstractive uh, methods, um, the more training data you have, the better. Because if you're going to create an abstractive summary, that means that you have to uh, import new words, right? right? So, and that is mm. the biggest problem. Are like, you talking abstractive or abstractive? Uh, abstractive, abstractive. abstractive okay. So, in abstractive, you have to you have to create a summary that works in the same way human creates a summary, sure. and that means that you know it needs language. It needs language, and yeah. this is something that you know a lot of these things that we consider to be like uh, common sense. If I tell you I went, I had lunch with my mom. I also had lunch with my dad, and you say Masha had lunch with her family or with right. her parents. Right. That's a common sense for us, but that's yes. a domain knowledge. It's a huge on projection. Yeah, right. So, so, and so mm. this is difficult, and for this you need to have advanced methods like deep learning methods mm -hmm. first and foremost. Mm. Uh, and there are special types of these deep learning models called sequence to sequence that are uh, usually made used for these type of things. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and the great thing about these sequence to sequence models is that they are built so that input is a sequence and the output is a sequence, mm -hmm. not just one prediction. So because, you know, if you think of text, text is just a sequence of words. But not only that is when we're that one sentence is a sequence of words, it's also 
one sentence, the, uh, the, the order of the words is what is important yeah. as well. Yeah. What is my second word very much depends on what is my first word, right? right. <laughs> when I'm uh. speaking, when I'm writing, when so. So these are the models. However, uh, and they are very advanced and they could do great things, um, but I wouldn't... Uh, Unfortunately, they're not still working 100% perfectly. Mm. They're still not working in 100% of the cases. Uh, there, for example, you know, you always have these uh, like demos uh, that are showing, you know, taking the news articles and giving out the, the title. Mm. And for that, they can work fine because title is just like a, a couple of words. Right. Sure. Um, and that's great. However, try summarizing Moby Dick abstract. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Now that's a problem. And that is unfortunately something that we're still, we're not there yet. Mm -hmm. um, however, you know, if we think about it, um, you know, I, I mentioned this Bexendale in uh, 1959, mm -hmm. 1958 actually creating this first model. Mm. And then... Uh, for a long time, it was actually in 1995 when we first started to use machine learning to create summaries. Right. Up until then, it was hmm. either something like uh, either something based on the word counts and word yeah. frequency, or right. adding special heuristics. words, heuristics, or maybe you know some graph-based method were already there, maybe. But also there was a little bit of this uh, template filling approaches. Right. That was kind of the first thing that we could consider the abstractive summarization hmm. because you have a template and then you fill this template. So mm -hmm. the template itself, since it contains words that are not in the original document, we can consider that to be, you know, like an abstractive summary, but again, very basic and very simple. So mm -hmm. um, I, I can imagine that fiction would be harder and produce longer summaries than, than an essay or a nonfiction. Yeah. Because, you know, if you're going to summarize fiction, you really have to tell an overview of the plot. But yeah, you get back to the exactly. whole, you know, man encounters whale, it does not go well. Yeah. Which yeah. misses the point it entirely. The point, entirely. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yes, yes. But, but, not just, but not just that. I mean, you would have to summarize with the plot because every little piece of the plot is important in fiction. Of course. Yeah. And, you know, in the end, it's also, you know, who is evaluating it and who is saying that this is good or not. Sure. Because, again, it is the domain knowledge, you know. Uh, because, you know, mm. we know a lot of, let's say you have a novel uh, and it's Moby Dick that's placed on Earth, you know, mm -hmm. and that's great. And then mm. there is a lot of things that you don't, if you say Atlantic Ocean, we all know where it is, what that is, right? right. Mm. However, you know, if you're summarizing Game of Thrones, uh, yeah. <laughs> now, uh, with a, if a person has not read Game of Thrones yeah, or seen the TV show and you say Westeros or... Or Essos or, or any kind of King's Landing. What sure. is that? Right. Uh, we right. all know what New York is. Yeah. But, uh, so the summary is going to be very different that you have to set You more have context. to then send more context. And then you have to say, you know, King's Landing, Gas uh, City yeah. in Westeros and so on. Yeah. So, which you yeah. don't have to say for New York more, most likely. Yeah. because. So where I guess where is it being used? Is it being used in technical uh, writing? More? Yeah. So um, I mean, it is it is used a lot for these abstracts of the docs and documents uh, summarization. Also, it mm. is used a lot for search engines, mm -hmm. uh, you know, because even at search engines, there are these query-based uh, summaries. You know, right. when you search something on Google, you get the website, and yep. then you get, like, a, some kind of small paragraph underneath it. Yeah, I get that's it. That's actually those most important... And that's extractive summarization, that's right? extractive. Yeah. Right, so those are just those two most important sentences, three from the text that contain these keywords that are most Sometimes similar. they're great, and sometimes they're terrible. Yeah. Yes, How, of course. I don't want to ignore extractive just because abstractive so cool but 
How no. do you assess the significance of a, of a sentence, which sounds like the key part of extractive? Yes, uh, well, that very much depends from method to method. Mm -hmm. So some of the methods are just you looking into the, you can just look at the word frequencies. Mm -hmm. So you remove all the stop words, of course, all the words mm -hmm. that are most common articles in the text. Yeah, yeah. yeah, articles, the pronouns, and, outs, and so on. Yeah. Yes. Because those are definitely turned up as most important they're because they are very, time. very frequent. So yeah. you remove those top words. You mm -hmm. do that with any kind of natural language processing problem. And uh, then you can just try to see, okay, is there some metrics you can use to see, okay, how important the rest of the sentences are. Mm. And usually there, are just, there is some, some metrics based on statistics, you know, right. and based just on the word frequencies. Uh, so then in that case, probably the words that are appearing most in the... Uh, in, the, in the document sure. uh, are more very important words so that the sentence that contains a lot of these words should be very important. Interesting. So then when you have that list of sentences, do you then rank those and in then terms you rank of those. which are strongest or most Yes, descriptive? and then for example, let's say that we have two sentences. One of them has five of these significant words, the other them of has three. Then we would say, okay, the one with five significant words would be most important. Interesting. We could use a different weights on this now. It's not as simple as this, but this is like a very basic approach to it. And again, domain knowledge would uh, help domain here. knowledge. But would I, of I gotta think help. the proper nouns tend to win. Like those tend to be more important. Uh, yeah, right. but yeah, we yeah, would, we got a bias. Yeah, yeah, but we will just extract and remove them now. So okay. you would also look into okay, what 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 did you? I mean, <laughs> that's the thing, whole thing with the data science, you know, and the machine learning and all these type of problems. We mm. are trying to make machines do the, a lot of job for us, but still you need human. Right. <laughs> you know, I still do, mm -hmm. I believe that it's going to be a long, long time before you could say that, oh, we don't need data scientists anymore. Now they have developed this yeah. the machine software. Will machine will do it because you still need a human to say, you know, and especially you don't need not only human, you need a domain expert. Right. Again. Right. It's like because, you know, for me, I work as a consultant from, from project to project, completely different domains, you know, in things that are maybe important for you, mm -hmm. uh, like you know, if, if there is if there is a lot of oil and gas words, you know, in the document, right, well, right. Th that means something for you. But then I go to work in an oil and gas industry, and it's oil and gas all over the place. Yeah, right? yeah, right. So, it's that big of a deal. So it's uh, it's not that big of a deal. Sure. So there could be things like that. There could also be uh, things like there is um I'll, there are two actually um, methods that are called uh, text rank and lex rank, mm -hmm. and they are working very very similarly. To to the page rank from Google, basically. Wow. So there, it's the same principle. You create uh, a similarity, you take a document, create mm -hmm. a similarity matrix, okay? How similar the sentences are between each other. Mm -hmm. And then you represent each sentence as a node in this graph. Mm -hmm. And then you connect the nodes based on the similarities. So if two words are very similar, mm -hmm. uh, there will be have, have this like a high, very strong connection and, and between them. And what does similar mean? Like they're synonyms uh, of each other? Or? Yeah, basically, well, that that means that, again, there are different similarity matrix that you sure. can use, but one of them can be they have a lot of uh, words in common. Right. Uh, you know, okay. for example, or also sometimes, <laughs> I mean, those would be the simplest one, you mm -hmm. know, like uh, Richard likes Game of Thrones and Marshall likes Game of Thrones. Okay, those would two similar sentences. Okay, right. Mm -hmm. right. So in that case, we can do that. Um, also, there could be the problem. There is a whole problem with our language that we can say the same thing in multiple times. Yeah, English right. is so bad for this. many ways, you yeah. know. Yeah, right. I mean, That's if true. you say that the plane leaves at noon or the flight uh, uh, starts at 12 o'clock, yes. that's right. literally the or, same thing. Yeah, or, mm. or yeah, the, yeah, the bird goes at 
at lunchtime. <laughs> yeah, right. right? And it's all and the same thing. All, Again, good writers will try to say the same thing in different ways. Different, different ways. ways. Yeah, yeah. So there are there are many of these kind of um, like methods that are called word embeddings. Now, okay. word embeddings are because machines they don't work well with words at all. Machines don't work well with anything but numbers. Mm -hmm. So if you have an image, you have to transfer it to number. If you have a sound, again, sound wave has to be transferred into number. And the same with words. So what we're doing with words, we're again, so we're trying to transform our sentences into these kind of vectors, mm -hmm. basically. And then you can actually look into the cosine between those vectors to see the similarity, because cosine between the vectors goes between zero and one. Right. So if the two sentences are the same, you have a cosine of zero degrees, which right. is the one, mm -hmm. so they are the same. Yeah. And if they're completely different, then you will have 90 degrees cosine, which would be... Completely different. Completely zero, basically. Right. Yeah. So there are different similarity methods that you can use. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, even for this, for example, page rank and Lex rank, um, for them, it's working just the same way as, as the Google does. It's looking into sentences that are pointing to the sentence. Right. So the most mm. kind of sentences try to recommend each other. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. same thing as But <laughs> as you get back to rank. sort of often a paragraph builds up to a closing to, sentence. And yeah. So the earlier sentences are literally, the, you know, elements. Elements. Yeah. Of, yeah, the, yeah. It might not be exact word matches, but it's like this last sentence has... Mm four or five words in it that all are referenced by earlier sentences yeah. in the paragraph. I, I imagine so, that the type of word also has weight. So nouns and verbs obviously yes. are very important, but what about prepositions? Prepositions can be completely irrelevant or they can be critical to what you're talking about, right? Yeah, so yeah, so the, it, it, it is uh, one of the things that then very much depends on, on the project itself. Uh, so yes, sometimes they, mm. you can just exclude them. Sometimes you do need, need to have them so they're pointing out and that's why the methods that you can that's why I still think that some of the methods for example, there is a method from Edmondson from 1969 so it's a very old method right. uh, but he actually adds these things called like keywords and keywords are the words that are correlated with the importance of the basically mm. importance of like the words in the sentence like therefore yeah he has however. three he has like three different types of keywords so he has these bonus words those are the words that so those are the words you all all keywords are the ones that you input manually right. so as a domain expert again or just a regular person, mm -hmm. uh, you s if you want to have word conference in the in the actual summary, you put that as a bonus word. Right. So this is the this is the most important words, and then you put the stigma words. Those could be the ones that you know. Maybe maybe prepositions you know are yeah. going to show up as important, right. but you know they're not. So you kind of you know they're going to have a negative approach. Right. And also these null words that are kind of something like stop words, things that you you just want to ignore completely. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. um, and and this is one of the methods that is still used, uh, and you still have a implementation of that in different Python uh, packages and so on. So mm -hmm. you can use it, and I've used it exactly, and um, it is still giving quite good results. Uh, even though it's quite old, it's for extractive summaries. But changing these keywords can change your pro your uh, summary completely. Mm, so, right. so this is a great method if you are very convinced that you can't that you know what your domain, you understand your domain, right. you yeah. know what the topics are. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so uh, when it comes to, to all of these things, it's still I think I would say still the biggest problem is you know how to evaluate it. Mm -hmm. You know, what makes a good summary? Because if you ask humans, if I ask you to now, hey, here is, 
write a summary of this, right. yeah. you're gonna give me two completely different sure. texts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. So it is it is one of the most important thing. Okay, how now now that I have something and you know all these things today, uh, even those like abstracted ones. If you wanna try it out yourself, it's quite easy. I mean, you you have like a Python. Uh, Python has package called Sami that has all these very most important um, extractive methods already there. So Wh what's it called again? Sami, uh, S U M I. Okay. Uh, S U M Y. Yeah. S U M Y. S U M Y. Yeah. Yeah, found it. I'll uh, put yeah. it in the links. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> so there is this. Uh, and it makes sense that it would be Python. Python's remarkably good at working with it, text. Yeah. It is. Python is the language to go for any natural language sure. programming mm -hmm. uh, problem. So uh, this is this is one of the the best tools there are, and it's literally you know you don't even have to do a lot of data pre-processing or anything before that. Um, it also turned out to be working just fine with some. I've tried it with Norwegian mm -hmm. because usually the um, the problem with uh, a lot of these uh, natural language processing tools mm -hmm. are they working great with English, with and the then you try it with any other languages, and it just makes no sense. It's sure. yeah, interesting to see even when you're talking about Anglo languages yeah. with the same alphabets that they would still struggle. That yeah. you don't you don't even realize the biases that you're building in yeah. mm -hmm. towards a particular language when you do yes. so certainly ignoring certain words. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Are there you, you said it's quite easy to do, but um, yeah. are there programs out there that you know, services that we can you know, I think of like uh, Azure's services that you can just point at some text and it gives you back a result. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I will have to get back to you on that because, but I'm sure I could. I could find some. Uh, definitely, they are. I don't think there is something in like Azure or like this kind of cloud platforms. But yeah. there are websites that I remember. I don't know, but I don't remember by heart. I remember when first started sure. with this. Uh, there are some websites that you can actually just import the text and get the. At least I'm not sure. Uh, about the abstractive ones, but you mm. can get the extracts from them. The English methods. teachers everywhere are cringing yeah. right now, <laughs> and should probably should probably get themselves familiar with what these things look uh, like. Is it easy to tell that a uh, summary was done by machine? Uh, a uh, well, yes and no. It's it's kind of um, you know when we're talking about this extract. Um, with abstract, most likely yes, because as I said, abstracts are still not working 100%, and the yeah. main problem with abstracts is still the grammar. Right. You yeah. know, even right. we humans struggle with grammar, sure. and then, you know, like, so you're probably going to see that it's not very readable. Um, I mean, you will get the main points of the text. Some sentences will be perfect, right. but usually you will get see some things uh, still maybe... Well, there are grammar checker tools there out there. There are grammar checkers. Grammarly is one. I mean, yes. even Word has some grammar stuff. Exactly. So, so you could. I mean, I think that with the abstracts again depends from yeah. from uh, time to time. Uh, but with extracts, you could have two very different two main problems. Uh, one of them uh, with extracts is that you know if you have a text that's talking about maybe two topics, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and what can happen is that you end up with a sentence with this um, summary that is really like the balance. You take out most of this. You say, okay, I need 10 sentences from this article. Article mm. talks about topic A and B. You take out 10 sentences and nine of them are about A and one right. is about B. Yeah. So this could be one of the problems. But mm -hmm. the another problem could be this lack of cohesion, uh, which mm. happens because, you know, 
if the sentence is referring to something in the previous sentence, you know, if I say, you know, sure. Carl is working at uh, .NET Rocks, uh, his friend is called Richard, Richard had a talk about Moon today. If yeah. I extract Carl works in the first and third sentence, mm -hmm. I would have, you know, if and if I said Richard, instead of Richard had a talk, I say he had a talk, right. I no, would say... Carl, it yeah. would end up as... Get some as misplaced modifiers. You know? Exactly. I, mean, I think quality yeah. of writing really is going to matter here. Of course. And of style course. of writing, too. A style of writing. Like yeah. I would think more narrative prose probably summarizes well. Mm, yeah. But, you know, mm. I also find people who tend to... It's almost like the moment you give them a keyboard, they write academically. There's yeah. a lot... Very passive voice and right. abstract mm -hmm. and, and just... To make a summarizer go nuts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's also, it's like this, you know, the reason I asked for a summary is it was hard to read in the first place. And hardly yeah. enough, if it's hard to read, it's probably hard to summarize. So, yeah, exactly. And the summary is going to be hard to read. Yeah, going to be, yeah. Gonna be a <laughs> compact version of something that's hard to read. Uh, and then there is this whole another issue where, um, you know, you have to, as I said, you have to somehow evaluate it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was working on a project where I was, ha I had to create for a client this kind of extractive summarizer. And so I created, of course, a couple of them. And, you know, they all seem reasonable. I mean, they all give me kind of slightly different sentences. Sure. But uh, I, I can't myself say, okay, this one is really bad or this one is really good. So then I had to evaluate it somehow. And... Um, there are basically two approaches to evaluating summaries, summarizers. One, one kind of extrinsic approach would be more to like text-based. Mm -hmm. So I have a group of users, and I divide them in two. And to one group, I give a whole document mm -hmm. to read, and to other group, I give the summary. And then I give them some task. Can you classify this right. into predefined classes? Can you? I ask them questions about the task. So if they can actually... Uh, give me the same answer, those right. that have just read the summary and those who have read the read same the document, then my summarizer is good. Sure. Mm. That's, of course, great method, but very time-consuming. You need to have all these people, yeah. all these slaves to work for you yeah. and read and, sure. and tag and so <laughs> on. So then we're kind of mostly up doing this other um, approach where we try to compare, okay, how good is our summarizer to the actual some kind of ideal summarizer. And this ideal summarizer should be made by human. Okay, so somebody then writes a then summary. Then somebody writes a summary. And How in this case, of course, extractive summary, I come to my... So what I did then is I, I approached four of my colleagues and I asked them, can you extract four most and most important sentences from the, from right. the different texts? That's a great exercise, actually. It is a great exercise. To really yeah. understand, even just understanding a team, to give yeah. a, all the team members the same document and highlight them the, the 10 most important sentences. Exactly. That's great. It says a lot about something. It really yeah. does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what happened was that was, so there were five different articles talking and four different people. Right. And oh, what happened in the end that there was not a single article and not a single pair of people that gave me the same results. I love sure, it. Of course. No. AKA situation normal, right? <laughs> exactly. Ah. Right. So there was, yeah. there was actually, uh, most of the time I had at least a little bit of overlap between right. them. Uh, but there was actually one article where I had two people and it was quite, it wasn't big article. I said, give me 10 sentences and those two ha didn't have a one single sentence in common. Wow. Right? wow. <laughs> but how were the summaries <laughs> they and they were bo both like all of them were good and why, right. why is that because in articles especially in the type of articles that i was looking into mm -hmm. you know there were articles from some web portal yeah uh and uh we were actually you know a lot of things it was it was targeting like teenagers and young people and right. so on so mm -hmm. kind of the, the way it was written uh it was repetitive basically right. so there was a lot of things that were just 
a lot of sentences that were very similar, but just reformulated, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, if you, you have a... In, in yeah. situations where they literally get the intent backwards. Yeah. Like, you can write a very negative story in a positive way. Sure. And the mm. summary misses that, like, the guy dies at the end. Of course. Right? Like, it's that, that and we're, kind and of we're, thing. And again, we're back to the, the real challenges of summarizing fiction versus nonfiction, right? Because mm-hmm. you can have a complete satire. Like, we let it go on an Onion article. Sure. And it's going <laughs> to gonna completely miss the point. Well, I, yeah. I also think about, like, the way, uh, the way an FAA accident report is written. Okay. It's so academic. Yeah. If you didn't know it was an FAA accident report, you're not even sure an airplane crashed. Mm-hmm. Right? Like it's yeah. it's that wow. kind of thing where they they are trying to speak in the most clinical terms mm-hmm. and and are often the mo- the most key phrase. Like the only reason you can read one of those things is you know, typically there's only a couple of reasons an airplane crashes. It's a mechanical failure, an act of the environment or a failure of the crew. Right? right. They're never going to be blunt about any of those things. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is you have to read subtly to actually go. Oh, they're implying that it's the crew's fault. Yeah, a mm-hmm. summarizer would struggle mightily with that, or maybe it wouldn't. Like, what a great challenge mm-hmm. to take yeah. a document like that and say, "Can you pull mm-hmm. what an expert reading something like this would pull?" Interesting. From it? Exactly. Yeah, and it's also, uh, you know, the. There is like there is no free lunch with yeah. nothing in machine learning, yes. unfortunately. You know, right. so I wish I could tell you like, yeah, you should just go with the most advanced method, mm-hmm. you know, and this is the the algorithm that's gonna work best in all of the cases, you know, right. because it is most. Just fire advanced. up Summy and <laughs> use the default, <laughs> you'll be good. How you'll like, be not good, true. Yeah. Not true at no. all. How no. many algorithms are there? Oh, there there is there are many. Like I think just Sami has about tenish mm-hmm. inside, uh, just for extractive summarization. Wow. And now for abstractive, now you have all these different neural networks, deep learning models, even reinforcement mm. learning is used these days uh, to to actually create this uh, interesting uh, this summarizer. So uh, they're they're improving with each day. I think everything, especially in the, like machine learning, kind of artificial intelligence, it, it is growing and growing, and it's really impossible to keep track anymore as well right. so new things coming every day so it's are, really are there websites out there where we can look and see what you know the results of some of these have been so you can read the summaries of uh, well I don't think about the website itself I mean you you do have a lot of these demos kind of like uh, yeah. articles okay. about the demo so I can send you I, I so you can put out a couple of right. things sure. in the end so where you can see, okay, how does this work? And you can go a little bit into more into details of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it is a very interesting topic. Sure. And it could be, it does have a lot of, uh, you know, applications. Uh, we, we, we talked about the search engine thing, which I totally get that you've yeah. got reams and reams of text. And I did notice, like, somebody's got a mode. It's specifically about pulling text from HTML. Mm-hmm. It seems very useful. But... What are some of the other use cases? Uh, well, uh, for example, a lot of people are struggling uh, with project documentation. Okay. You know, you have a very sure. similar project. I mean, uh, you know, you basically, you don't have a similar project, but you have a project that has a lot of text, you mm-hmm. know, right. uh, a lot of different documents and so on. So basically, what you would like to do is that you would, you would like to summarize that all so you don't have to go through everything. So if you're trying to find, search for something, and that is the, one of the most important thing. I mean, one application of this uh, summaries would be, yes, you want to read just the summary instead of the entire document, mm-hmm. you yeah. know. 
but the other thing is, okay, you want to just read the summary so you know what are the documents you want to focus to, right? Sure, sure. So, well, so that, ca- yeah, categorization. Categorization right. as well, yes. So, so y- there, there, are, there are many different ways you can, you can look into this and you can just sort of apply hmm. it in, in the real life. Yeah. Uh, so, and I think there are more and more coming because, you know, these days we are flooded with the amount of information. Sure. We are flooded yeah. with I'm the amount about, of text. I'm uh, thinking about, you know, these might be a performance tuning trick that mm-hmm. instead of parsing all of this data, we do an intermediary summarization level yes. and then we do search or you know manipulation on the summary because it just reduces the mm. data set size. Yes, yeah. yes, of course. Could, could have a, the question is, is, does it get as good a results mm. just faster? Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's yeah, a great trade-off between the two things. Mm. Uh, yeah. What about uh, scientific studies? I mean, you, when you read a study mm-hmm. online, it doesn't matter where, what, there's usually a summary. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's done by humans, obviously. Yes. Uh, yeah, so that those uh, as well. So those were the first ones where they actually started to really to to actually investigate this. So this uh, Baxendale back in 1958. So right. he was the one who was working on these articles, and a lot of them actually. So I think all these how it started was actually with some kind of technical uh, documents mm-hmm. or scientific articles, mm-hmm. and then they started to look more into news. Uh, so kind of uh, like news articles. Okay. But mm-hmm. but I think um, and and that's like actually. I think still these summaries work best for the scientific articles because okay, yeah. it is a certain way of writing. Yes. It is a certain way where even for Bexendale and his positional method, it was first and last sentence and right. also for scientific articles. You have huge amount of training data yes. because each scientific article has an abstract for right. and it's been they've been doing it for the last hundred years, you yeah, know, yeah. right? Yes. Because How do they do those you have that while for, for, for every other things like articles on the web portals or yeah. Or any other type of text projects, you know. When I was when when this this thing that I was working on uh, with the projects, um, wh- what we were hoping to do was to actually have some kind of uh, you know abstractive method. But then once they realized that. You know, for that we need some kind of training data. I can't just put this because these are these are very specific projects from a very specific industry. Yeah, so sure. I can't just put it in something general. And unfortunately, this is still not advanced in general as maybe computer vision. You know, so I can use some transfer learning and stuff to right. in order to at least not a couple of years ago. Sure. And um, but I do see. I can imagine models building up for this. For yes, I think de- definitely. Yeah. I think I think definitely it is. It's, it's it's gonna it's gonna happen the mm-hmm. same way now you know you can just like um, in all these platforms like Azure and Google you have these things for mm. document classification right. uh, already pre-trained models that you can use for image recognition and mm. so on mm-hmm. so I think it's just a matter of time before this as well uh, gets though as but again <laughs> you know image classification um, or, or or document classification or all these things the way the reason why why Microsoft why Google why Amazon or whatever has it so good is because of the huge amount of training data right yeah and that's I think is still the biggest problem here because we don't have that many perfect summaries sure and also you know it's not even the perfect summaries it's even when we have a summary as I said already mine and yours could mm-hmm. be completely different. So you know, training something on the two completely different things right. may confuse. Yeah. You, you would confuse a child. You, yeah. do, you, you, know, may, you, you end up with an average of two things that have nothing to do with each other. Right. So it's going to be bad at everything. Right. <laughs> right. Sure. 
So coherency in the data set, in the da- like yes, yes. it always comes down to a certain amount of cleaning, right? Oh, yeah. It's yeah. always understanding what's in your data. We we always anytime we talk about data science, yeah, we, 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 we talk pretty good too. You feed this thing crap, you get crap results. You get crap. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Data scientists spend a lot of their time cleaning data. Yeah. We do. We Seems do. like the bulk of the job, actually. Yes, yes it is or, definitely. Or at least understanding, understanding. you know, what the mm. dirt in the data is, yes. like what's not good here. Yes. Mm. But I think, you know, I mean, we always, we data scientists always love to complain about this, yeah, you yeah. know, like, oh my God, 80% of our times goes into data prep and so yeah. on, which it does. Yes. Um, however, you know, and there, there are people who think that we, we data scientists shouldn't be doing that, you know, we should hire data engineers yeah, you're awfully to do expensive, this. Right? You know, but it's not just, I mean, the pro- what, what my problem with that is, um, every time I was working on a team where someone else prepared the data for me for one reason or another, right. and then yeah. I had to create a model, I was really struggling with that model because I didn't understand the data. Right. And then it's I was... The side effect of the cleaning is right. you get deeply you intimate get the, with the data. I understand what is data, what these codes are, what is the meaning of mm-hmm. this, what is that. And mm. then I've just ended up spending much more time asking this person, well, why did you do this? Why is this column this? Why is this like that? You know? right. And, yeah. and it, it wasn't even that I disagreed with him. Just trying to understand. I just, I, I didn't get it. Right. <laughs> what are these columns and rows and what do they mean? So, yeah, I, I, even though, yes, it is, it is a pain in the ass, you know, it really is. Mm. But um, in the end, it is very, very helpful. And cool. it, in the end, it, make, it helps you create a better model. Mm-hmm. Because once you understand the data, then you also know what to focus on. And maybe which, which method, which algorithm to choose. What, it's what always a question do. just judging what, what does better model mean. Like, yeah, that's as well. The summaries are more yeah. readable. They're more correct. Yeah. They're shorter. Yeah. They happen faster. Like There's it, a bit of subjectivity there. Yeah. Yes, Better yes. is a tough term. It is. It yeah. definitely is. Hmm. And all these like evaluation methods, uh, you know, they're also kind of, in the end, they're just some kind of formula, mm-hmm. some kind of mathematical formula, you sure. know. And in that case, it's kind of, you know, just because there is a difference in 0. 0.00001, right. you know, something, <laughs> something can change. For, for a machine, that's a difference. For us, yeah. that's our big deal, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the same number. But for a machine, that's a completely two different numbers. And um, right. in the end, yeah, it is, it is hard to say what is the good summary. That, I think, yeah. is the most important, most critical problem here because, you know, for a lot of other things, you, you can check your predictions, but and we know that this prediction is true or false, yes or no, category mm-hmm. A, B or C, whatever. Uh, but for this... This is a bit more like this kind of unsupervised machine learning when it's really hard to say I'm going to group people, but like how good these groups are, who is going to, who is to say, you know, (laughs) what is. But filtering the set into related categories, like that's a sort of classic machine learning problem. Yes, yes. They allow you to sort of do analysis and sort of put these in groups and then do the summarization with a bit more domain focus. Yes. Here's another um, interesting application is taking somebody's biography. Yeah. And summarizing that, I mean, that is that is a, it's got its own particular challenges, sure. right? Because mm-hmm. now you, what do you do? You group things by event, by location, you know, by job, by yep. career. Uh, 
Yeah, that's yeah. So you see, there's so many challenges, there. right? And you see now that here in this last hour we have mentioned a couple of domains, right? And each of these couple of domains had their own challenges. Totally now imagine how many <laughs> domains are out there and how many totally yeah. different approaches you basically need in order right. to you know because like for example there was one of the first uh, one of the first this method is kind of abstracted which was a template feeling right. uh, and it was called Frump and uh, this guy who created it Dejong he created these 50 kind of sketchy scripts uh, in order to this with these templates that yeah. he calls sketchy scripts and he they, then you, it was used for uh, news articles so you know mm -hmm. machine reads an article figure out which sketchy scripts it belongs to and trying to fulfill as many slots as it can mm -hmm. these holes and then he realized that even for news just 50 these scripts were not nearly enough to cover wow. all the events now and they're just news sure, stories right, and sure. now imagine us going in the real world and trying to figure out you is know, there a certain amount of regression that's done like you you, you summarize start with a longer summary and then you mm. try to summarize that and yes, then try to summarize yes. that is that mm. what happens yeah well basically um with one algorithm anyway well i i, I think um most of these algorithms works on the way that you have to kind of predefine, uh, okay, like for example, most important sentences, you know. So then you're kind of trying, you have to predefine how big of a summary you want in the first place. Sure. So then as a human, because for a machine, it's very hard, as we already said, it's, um, you know, um, what makes a good summary and when, when is it non-redundant? Right, Even, right. Uh, you know, how can machine know that this is non-redundant? Sure. <laughs> machine can only work in a way that, you know, give me seven sentences from this article. Right. Yeah. Machine will give you seven. Now you can look into this seven and try with eight. Try to see what happens when you add a new one. Is mm -hmm. this the sentence that has the information that was already there? Right. But again, that's that's still unfortunately something where artificial intelligence is not intelligent but, but enough. But even in the, <laughs> the extractive approach, you could easily have the same sentence appearing multiple times, yes, yes. essentially, maybe with some phrasing differences, and all of them get weighted highly. Yes, but that, that's why mm -hmm. we have this certain kind of penalty metrics. Right. Uh, yes, so... So if we pick one, yeah, we then down value we down the, the other, value. so yeah. we have the same meaning. Yes, yes. Mm. So that's that, interesting. That yeah. was one of the, one of the problems uh, that, that was happening, you know, like mm -hmm. the same information, slightly differently formulated, ends up, of course, high score because it is irrelevant information. <laughs> Uh, so th that's why there are some some of the methods uh, that are can be used to to actually make sure okay we are looking at the what is the most important but also how similar that is to the s other sentences that we have already selected in our model. I can imagine Absolutely. also forget about summarization but just embellishment of text like mm -hmm. you could write a news story yeah. and then have some artificial bot or whatever go through it and find other related stories mm. uh, or other things that may uh, support or refute what yep. they're talking about yep. mm -hmm. and you know as, as a way to embellish the text yep yep there's just unlimited yeah possibilities are, for this are, kind of stuff. there's not going to be one solution for this no no <laughs> it's always going to be a challenge well, it sure looks like Python Summit is the place to start. Definitely, I would yeah. definitely recommend starting with that. It is quite easy to use. Just it's one, just one of the Python libraries. Just download it. Mm -hmm. Really, you don't have to do a lot of data pre-processing. Most of them actually just need you to input the text. You can just import something from, as you said, just get it from the web. Sure. Uh, and output and input, okay, which stop words, which language this text is, right. because mm -hmm. you want stop words from different languages. Mm -hmm. 
and how many sentences you want, and that's it. Well, this Edmundson mm. method, that requires a little bit more manual work because it needs those keywords. Right. Uh, but the, most of the rest of them, you just do this, and it's mm. like literally a couple of lines of code. Um, <laughs> to And you will, you're going to create something right. again. And you're also going to see that um, uh, when I was using this, it is, it is very fascinating how different summaries are giving you completely different results. Yeah, of course. Yep, right, right, you know, sure. So it's like oh, out of these, I don't know, 10 methods, some of them were, for example, uh, working on, on a way that they were picking the, the most important sentences by free word frequency. So mm -hmm. then, of course, the longest sentences that yeah. had the most words, of course, had the most words. Right. <laughs> I mean, got it. So, yeah. they, so they were, of course, being very successful in coming up. But some other summaries that were working on, on some other principles, I don't know, for example, this graph Based summaries or something, mm -hmm. they were picking a completely like short sentences, maybe or something, right. because a lot of sentences were pointing to that short sentence or so on. So it was really fascinating to see how you know there is, it, it's hard. And then yeah. for one text, you would maybe go with one summarizer; for the other, you would go with the other. Sure. It's uh, really so hard. You, to do any of these algorithms have uh, an aspect of randomization in them? Um, in other words, are you going to run it twice and get two different summaries? Uh, no, basically no. no. I think okay, in this so they're case, all deterministic. They, they, yeah, in, in this case, for these ones, you're, you're always going to get the same thing because okay. there is always like the same formula. But it's an interesting thing. idea. I it mean, I, I'm, the, the, the weirdo that I am, I, I would also then take a summary and feed it back to the summarizer. Absolutely. <laughs> Start with a yeah. really long summary and then just continue to pare it down yeah, until you yeah. get uh, Ahab goes for the whale and yeah. it doesn't go well. <laughs> go well. <laughs> okay. Well, now you have something to do on your way home. I'm expecting when you're back to have a yeah. <laughs> summary of a Moby Dick. <laughs> we'll get Moby Dick to yes. it. doesn't end well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, what's next for you, Amasha? Um, what are you doing next after this? Uh, what are after you working on? Well, at the moment, I've just finished uh, last project. Uh, so I work as a consultant. So it's kind of a little bit, you know, like uh, a lot of intensive work. And then you're done with the project. And then it's um, not so much to do. Right. Uh, so at the moment, I've just finished my last project. And it was it had happened in a very bad time, actually, because uh, I'm just done. And Norway is in a holiday mode. Yeah. The yeah. Whole, not any like, work for a while. No work for a while. Yeah. I've, until August. <laughs> so, sure. So now I'm just probably going to sit in the office, uh, do some tutorials and maybe create some new presentation talks. Yeah, there are okay. other parts of Europe shut down in August, too. Yeah, yeah. Like, you can't get anything done in Germany in August, but you're usually okay. Yeah, you know, yeah, here, the, here, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, it was because school starts in August here, right. so then everyone just goes goes back, and then and then it's where, where the projects and the work actually Well, and we're in the week of the solstice, right? Yep. The longest day of yeah. the year is coming up here. I think yeah. I think the Norwegians take the sunlight really seriously. Oh, so yes. yes. They oh. weigh this couple of months as Oof. the time. I thought it was so yeah. crazy because I'm originally from Croatia, where right. it's sunny, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice, sun. beautiful weather, yeah. and you don't depreciate sun there. Yeah, no, you just take it for granted. It's like right. being in Los Angeles; it's just right. sunny all the time. Yeah, right. And then I come here, and it's April, yes. and it's like twelve degrees. You know, right. it's cold for me. It's cold, yeah. and but it's a little bit of sun out there, and they're sunbathing in the parks. Well, <laughs> it's just like what? And, you know, living in Vancouver, where we also have this kind of weather, it's like whatever you had planned indoors. If it's a sunny day, yeah. those plans are canceled. Can right. Right. Bob was to say it. It's just like no, no, uh, we'll be outside now. Yeah, right. exactly. same here, same here. <laughs> I love it. Well, Masha, it's been so great having you, and, and it's a fascinating topic, something we've never talked about before. And, oh, and wow, I just. I hope everybody will like as much as we did. So well, thanks. Thank, thank you so much for having me. And just feel free to call me anytime. I love this. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks.
Night Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the FCC. Yes, I'm